She says she wants to just do a quickie. <laughs> I only, I'm a businesswoman, man. <laughs> got, got things I got to do. It's like, that, it's like that Dave Chappelle skit that he's talking about. Bill Clinton and fucking Monica Lewinsky. And you're listening to Back to M1. Where he was like, you know, he said he's a busy man. So he just like walked out of the, of the Oval Back Office. Back to M1. Back to M1. Ratchet and Woke Podcast, you know the vibes. Thank you for tuning in. It is Friday. Uh, make sure you like us, Ratchet and Woke Podcast, on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Email us questions, comments, topics, all those things. Mm-hmm. Ratchet and Woke Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Unlearn the world. That's what's up. Lil MC. It's your birthday. Yes, it's been quite a vibe. It's been quite, quite a vibe. Um, 24 hours, I am the birthday boy. There's so much shit going on this birthday weekend. Week. It's insane. Like, you know what I'm saying? I I, I actually hate people who say they're I know. celebrating the whole week. I know. But <laughs> like, it's my like, birthday's on a lame day, like a Tuesday. It's like, I'm celebrating the whole well, week. Well, I used to do different things. Like, I'd have one birthday where I celebrate with my, like, son and my, like, family. You know, yeah. direct family. And then have one birthday where I, like, get litty with my, like, friends. Then I do a birthday with you, where it's just me and you being yeah, yeah, yeah. sexy. And then, you know, like, different birthdays for different people. Exactly. It's you like don't want to do a hundred percent code switching. Well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it because I, I, I turned forty next year, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of want like a big thing. Like I want like some destination. Like my grandma's ninetieth birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So yes, it was my birthday. Lil MC was beautiful and kind enough to to consort with some of my closest friends. To put together an amazing surprise birthday party that left me nothing but emotional, and you got the tears you asked for. <laughs> like she's tears. been asking to see me cry for I don't even know how long, and I just you know I was full out like Kanye was nervous. He was breakdown fucked up crying. too. Really don't and up. that was so funny. Oh shout! Let's shout out DJ Soros. Shout out my Seriously. brother DJ Soros. He like, helped he's, me he's so truth, fucking man. much with like, this. Like an angel from heaven just reached out. And was like, how can I help for Marlon's B day? And I was like. I could really use some help. <laughs> I really could. Yeah, shout out to everybody who came through. Coffee too, hip hop for change. All everyone the from the change team, like people. seriously. I, I mean, you know I already thanked them a million What's times. What's real? But... Sue Yen, Mike Fish, yes, Cooper, DJ Nasty, Lex, Lil Flower came Nasty, Kayla. Kayla Love, Daylight. Like it was just Amani a whole. Amani Jade and Najee uh, came I, at the I, end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was fucking beautiful. It was, it was little. It was like a little stages. You know, the dinner stage, the dance stage, and then we just kicked it. And you, you, you are a sneaky coyote. Like I had no, I had no idea about it. Like my felt was we was gonna go to dinner, and then maybe some people would show up. And just kind of like peruse and like graze through and like have a drink with us. Yeah, because I, I did fuck business. up. I fucked up. How so? Because I. I'm, well, tell the story. Okay, let, I'll let, tell let the story. Know. I had Steph, shout out Steph from Hip Hop for Change, made a flyer with him, with Marlon, Unlearn the World on it. And it had all the details. And I sent them out to all of the guests that were the invitees. 
and I was really fucking lit in bed, and we were just like going through my phone. I was showing you. I was showing you. We were trying to record Jamie the Wolf a happy birthday. We were trying message. to yeah. <laughs> shout out Jamie. His birthday was his birthday was the day, day before, before mine. And he was like, and I had sent Jamie an invite. And so the the last text in his feed was Marlon's face on this flyer. And he's like, we're recording this this birthday message. And he's like, wait, is that my face? And I was like, oh, fuck. You know, like, <laughs> I've been hella speaking this yeah. whole time. And I was hella high, too. So I was like, damn, I don't even know how even, to backtrack at this point. I can't even explain what this is. I just and I, yelled really loud and hoped that his brain would shut off. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, lucky to you, my brain was shut off. I know. Like, I was completely... I was trying to, like, pump done. you full of more weed so that you literally would erase. I was like, I you think you need another edible. Anything. Yeah, I was trying to, like, do that off the drawers you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Jedi mind tricks. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, it was, it was an amazing uh, display of love. And affection and appreciation. Um, I, I can't. I can't say enough about it. It was just a whole surreal. It was. It's been a surreal twenty four hours. You know what I'm saying? Just like a lot has been going on just in my brain and just in general. And um, yeah, I want to thank everybody who attended. Everybody who gave me well wishes on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever the case is. Just I, I love and appreciate everybody um, for for you know even caring about me and and. and I'm just like in all of the the journey, and I'm I'm ready for the rest of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready for the rest of it. Let's go. Speaking of which, it is it is a it's a jam fucking pack weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking jam pack weekend. Is, yeah. You got another project on the way. Yep. Tomorrow. Yes. Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. What day is it? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow. Today is Friday. Tomorrow, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Your favorite holiday. It the is. only holiday you really celebrate because it's not only Halloween, but it's your son's birthday. It is. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Adrian. Isn't that crazy? He, he, he gave us a sign off. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Cute. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's his birthday tomorrow, but you're dropping an album. Yeah, so it's gonna Halloween be is my, it's my shit. Like, I fuck with Halloween, and I was like, once my child was born on Halloween, that was like a sign. Like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. it's a full moon tomorrow, too. Yeah, so then, so yeah. shit might get litty. And I've been talking about this. I've been pretty, like, sober from alcohol for a while, but I think I'm going to do some MDMA and just get weird. And keep... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, like, start licking, listen, just licking walking around face. the park. Yeah, no, I'm not even fucking lying. One bit, like, like this is so full ass. I might truth. be drinking lake water by the end. <laughs> and when they found me, I was driving a scooter into the lake. <laughs> you have to tell the story behind that. Oh my god! So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But okay, I want sorry. you to talk about your album. Oh yes, I talk I about, like, Are you excited? Like, how do you, how are you feeling? Like, I you know mean, like I think that I've listened to these songs for so long. It's yeah. like hard for me to get excited over out. This is your second project in a year. Just so we're clear, like, no, no it's flex. not. No, no? It's not. Yeah. Am I bugging? Oh, it no, was we, I'm exactly thinking about the video. I'm thinking about the video. Yeah. But the, see, with the, the video even, came out two weeks ago, two and a half, oh, three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, we now, filmed it in February, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. No, I mean, the last EP came out, the Punisher Volume 1 came out December like 7th, so it's been about a year. It's within, within a year. That's two projects oh. within a year. Okay. I guess you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm not talking about calendar year. I'm oh, like, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. So it's two projects within a year, which is, I think, standard nowadays with yeah. most artists. Like, they're trying to put out projects. Twice annually. I mean, I could have released it way sooner. It's been done forever. Yeah, it's just... I mean, I have hella songs done. I know. It's just like, I was not sure what was going to happen with COVID. Like, I'd rather have a party and a show, but that's obviously not going to happen. So You've been on your your pre-save game, and you've been on, you know what I'm saying, like doing the the, the usual rollout thing, Mm -hmm. and like, you know what I'm saying, it it seems good. Like, the visuals seem leveled up, like the whole Mm -hmm. thing... The whole project as a whole and the entire rollout seems like a little bit more streamlined. And, yeah, you know. I'm more excited to see, like, le- like I don't know if I'm going to get on the editorial playlist, but I did submit to that. 
and I have like a, a good number of free saves. You know, like you and Kayla did really well with playlists, and yeah. I have like double both of yours amount yeah. of free saves. Cause just nothing against your guys. I just been pushing way harder. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. hitting up everyone like every single fucking day, mm-hmm. and like doing it on their phone. And your guys' um, music did really really well on Spotify. So I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. That maybe y'all have a chance to get on some like dope playlists because of the pre-save campaign that yeah. I've done. Um, so that's my that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited yeah. to see see my numbers. You exactly, know? exactly. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting project. Are, are there any songs particularly that you're excited about or that you want to think about like visuals or videos for? I always think about visuals, man. I really think people need to give me my flowers because I have so many dope visual ideas. <laughs> like, I really do. Um, for oh my god, I want. I told. I was talking about this last night. Like, I want to straight up do like me in a fucking wedding dress, on a skateboard with like a hot dog in my hand and like <laughs> like some crazy shit. You what know? was the one where you were talking about dressing up like nuns running into a high school? And yeah, that that would be the same. That would be the same one. That's kind of yeah. Weird. I want to do crazy. like a whole oh my god, like just really flabbergasted yeah. shit it's weird it's, it's an interesting case and i want to kind of get your thoughts on this because it's, it's an interesting space to be in where you're trying to do art that kind of pushes and and, and pushes the envelope and yeah. it's provocative but it doesn't kind of fit the mold of what gets promoted and when i yeah. say promoted we're not talking about like the major label system we're not even talking about like other mm-hmm. promo companies we're literally talking about like advertising right. right like you can't even facebook advertise or I instagram can't add advertise anything. because of the content sometimes you know right. what i'm saying like we we have our homegirl sarah she's she just dropped a nasty. video yeah. and there's no violence in her video but she has well, like some well there is blood. she gets stabbed in the neck with a flower <laughs> what do you mean she but it's dies. insinuated it's implied it's not like actually like you don't see it happening is my point yeah like, but that's no still enough violence, violence for right, sure but, so you have to my... be fucking hella like you can't have swear like the the parts of the yeah. ads you want to run can't have swear words or anything insinuating violence or sex sexual which doesn't make sense because like you have to put in the filters in terms of the age range that you want to reach and yeah, all of that so like bullshit. the content should match your demographic and your demographic is going to be receptive to foul think. language or violence or like how do they do that for movies that are rated r i mean it's not youtube <laughs> they have yeah, it's way yeah, different I, I guess, yeah. it's i think it's really smart because i think people that have been successful with doing youtube ads are those that have that in mind when they're making songs you know like and that kind of inhibits the the it, it it inhibits the creativity right I think. so like, you have to choose what you, you have want. to start thinking about metrics and all of that bullshit yeah. like it's it that's like when it kills the joy of what you're trying to do well, what like, you stand for like i made a and the choice to have my most recent video be 18 and over, like, I don't want kids seeing me when I'm, like, half yeah. nude, you know? And I I chose, I wanted to be that way because I wanted it to encapsulate this my year. I wanted to make this video really shocking and sexual but dope and crazy, and that's what I wanted. And I knew yeah. I wasn't going to reach as many people because I had the those elements in there, but that's the artistic choice that I made. Right. So if you want to choose something that's more commercial, more commercially viable and marketable, then you wouldn't be able to include those elements. And exactly. so that's the choice you have to make. Um, and it's yeah, not I mean, bad either it, it's way. It's part and parcel with like who, you know, what, what you want as an artist and, and, the, and the kind of messages that you want to put out or the exactly. kind of art that you want to put out. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. always remember the art and, and let the art be first, first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? I think so. so. And I mean, it's like, I always want to push envelopes. Like I never want to really, I don't want to put my time and energy into something that isn't going to make someone think or be, I, I want like a reaction. I want to. I want to make reaction. Yeah, you're music. provocative. I yeah. think that's the best term 
to describe your kind of work is provocative. And it's not like WAP has to be the one thing that you think of when you think of provocative. There's a lot of things that can be thought provoking. Exactly. You know, so it's like, I just don't want to make some basic ass shit. <laughs> you on a skateboard with a wedding dress and a hot dog is nuts. Yeah, I don't even need hot dogs. It's going to be like a veggie I, dog. <laughs> a veggie. I just want like mustard and ketchup like all over the dress and my face and like headphones. I want one of those like 80s headphones with like the little antenna with coming the antenna? out. Yeah. I have a whole aesthetic in oh mind. Oh my God. And when they found me. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into that story. So you have all these amazing stories from like, not even your childhood. It's literally like yesterday, two years ago or some <laughs> shit like that. It's like in the time that I've known you. But <laughs> Where like you 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 know for for whatever reason you you're turning up you you get a little bit carried away with your ratchetness and then you end up just somewhere odd. So <laughs> you'll tell me these stories just very casually and they always seem to end with when they found me and then like you know you get into the thing. So <laughs> so now my 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 inside joke with you is to completely fabricate the end of the when they found me. It's almost like a prompt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like from now on, like we get turned up and I'm like, and when they found me, I was rubbing a horse's nose in a bush. <laughs> that one actually was real. That exactly. happened. That one happened. <laughs> tell, tell me some other, tell the people some other when they well, found me. Yeah, there was one time when I was in the car and I jumped out of the car and my cousin was visiting and I was fucked up and I ran into just the forest and everyone was like <laughs> looking for me and eventually they found me and I was nuzzling with a horse behind like this horse pasture. Oh, oh my and god. They, and when they found me, I was oh, in a treehouse with a captain's hat on. Another time I was in Oakland and this was like the morning and I got fucked up. I was already lit and I was like, I'm on rollerblade and I was with my buddies, you know, we were all going to go down to the store, get some more like. 40s or some shit and I was like I'm gonna rollerblade and they're like alright like be careful and I was like ah fuck it and then like you know I, I zoom off and they, they don't know where I am and then like an hour later they find me and I'm like passed the fuck out my purse is stolen and I'm just like on the curb in Oakland with like rollerblades on <laughs> Those weren't so, even my rollerblades. If you guys, so we're gonna do the where, when they found me challenge. So if you guys have a cool scenario in which you think would end well for the MC when they find her, put it in. So the hashtag is when they found me, and you have to complete the sentence. So send in your submissions to Ratchet and Woke Podcast at gmail .com. I want to read these off in our next show. If we That's enough. great. That'd be really dope. Or you could just tap in with us on Instagram or whatever the case is. Um, but we are going to be doing an interview with my best friend, Steph Reed, in just a bit. Uh, this is a special birthday interview, so I thought to interview somebody close and near and dear to my heart and kind of reflect on their life, our life and times together. Uh, fun times. Fun times. So. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Just low, low key. Just like we're recording, by the way. So I'm going to introduce you and all of that. But I just Oh, my it, God. I just, thought it, I just thought it important to just like do that. But like this is going to be like a okay. birthday uh, special birthday episode of the podcast. So, no, who better than somebody who's known me my oh, entire life? You know what I mean? But as a sidebar, because you said the the whole thing about what you about. Remember when Lady Luck at the Def Jam office tried to kick it to you? Oh and yeah. It was like, was damn, what you about? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's and just funny. so you don't you don't remember, like, so Lady Luck was like this female rapper in New York that was catching a, a really big buzz because she was on some big record, like a remix to yes. some big record. So Steph was at the Def Jam office one time and she seen him and she thought he was like, he was like catnip. 
<laughs> so she was like all in his man. mouth and like east coast women i have found are a lot more aggressive than true west coast women so they'll come and kick that. it to you like you're a, like they're a dude like you know what i'm saying like like east coast men are hyper aggressive when it comes to like talking yes. to random women so yes. east coast women are just like that they're like they're like yes. west coast dudes <laughs> East Coast women yes. are like West Coast dudes. West Coast I can dudes see that. Like- Yo, West Coast dudes are going to hate me for saying that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so, well, let's introduce you, yeah, Steph Reed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, other than you being my best friend, there's not enough, there's, I can't there, I can't say enough about you. So, that, you know oh, what I'm saying? Man. So, Talks about you best all friend. The time. I've known you forever. Um, overall creative spirit. Revolutionary. How would you describe yourself in in an elevator with a random ass person? <laughs> Hi, my name is Steph Reed, and I am a Grammy Award nominated music educator. I'm a Billboard charting songwriter and producer, and I am a independent artist and change maker. Accolades, accolades, accolades. Yeah, so you're just gonna run down your whole resume in the elevator. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how are you on LinkedIn? I know your social media on like IG and Facebook is, is is kind of cool. What's your LinkedIn game looking like nowadays? You know, strange enough, I mean, it's it's curated to an extent of like, I think my accomplishments and job history is there. Like, but I don't, I'm not really active on it right. beyond just like making sure that it looks on point and that um, like it looks on point and it's up, it's up to date and accurate, but I don't really engage. I, I haven't really found like that's not where you're going to post the content for the thotties out there. Oh, I was gonna say I'm no. Just, have you ever no. kicked game to anyone on LinkedIn? No, no. I mean <laughs> the thing the thing is I always feel kind of somewhat. I I don't know. I always have a little bit of pause when it comes to like how to engage properly on LinkedIn, just because mm-hmm. I perceive it as more of like a I'm looking for employment versus like looking to build. Right, relationship. Course, yeah. slipping, into, slipping into the DMs on LinkedIn uh, is dirty. Yeah, it's just like such a good time. Like, You're so like clear. You know, like, exactly. From Yale? <laughs> you got a French ass name. That's funny. You from Yale? That's book smart. Yeah, exactly. That is the worst. Like, yo. Okay, but I have a question because I don't. You already know all about each other. So have you? You guys do completely different genre, like styles of music, though. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Steph, you do like, like what is it like bluegrassy or am I way off? That's. I mean, that's a, that's a way you could describe it. I mean, there's okay. So there's elements that of what I do that lend itself to more like folk rock. There's elements of what I do that lends itself more to pop rock, and there's elements of what I do that lend itself more to like uh, alternative. You know what I mean? I think it's like a blend of those, and and it's filtered through a black kid from New York, and mm. you know who what would, I mean. So, I, who would you like say if you could pick three artists that you feel like you resemble? Who would those be? Mm, I think tone wise. As far as like my vocal, I think there's elements of like there's like an element of like Tracy Chapman in there. Oh. There's an element of Ray Charles in there. Okay. Um and then like maybe message wise, I really identify with like John Lennon and Prince. Ooh. 
Does that seem right to you, Omar? Yeah, coming I'm, from I'm a... listening to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. I would say, you know, I. Yeah, I, I love like I love like Prince is very much, uh, you know, a self-contained musician like myself. He writes, produces, arranges, plays instruments. He also, I think, when I say Prince, I mean more so the musicianship and and like songs like Seven or songs like The Cross and um, Sign of the Times. That aspect of Prince and. When I think about John Lennon, I just think about the message of love and peace and imagine and revolution. And I think that like war is over. And I think about like the the social commentary, the fashion, and I think about the just the the vibe. Totally. What, you, what I what I particularly appreciate you about you and your brand of artistry is just the evolution of it. Having seen you since we Thank were you. friends in high school. So like just so we understand. Uh, Steph was the first kid I met in high school. Like I literally yes, walked, 25, 25 years ago. <laughs> 25 plus years. So I walked I walk down to this dingy-ass basement where our school was housed. We were in the school. Yes. We were in the basement of a larger high school. Park and, West. Yeah, Park West High School, 50th Street, New York City. So I, I go down there, and he's literally the first kid I see walking into the room, and I nod my head. And like we not ahead of each other, and then like these girls mm. and, other, and the other thing was trying to kick it to us, so they were being like weird, um, and we just kind of <laughs> like we just kind of laughed because like we knew they was being extra, and we just kind of like laughed at it, and then like, like we just your son in school with the extra girls. Yeah, well he's he my, my I'm not gonna put my son on blast, but he's <laughs> you know he's he's a good looking boy, and and, and them the, you know them light skin wavies is is giving me <laughs> right now, you know what I'm saying? Salute to my son, but um. You know, and then like, you know, we, we just grew up and just been, been friends. But what I particularly appreciate about your artistry is just the mm-hmm. transition you've been able to make. You started in an R&B group, right? You yes. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. reality. It was you, your, your yeah. brother, three of your friends from, from, from yeah. like junior high school that you grew up with. And we yes. were doing talent shows together. I was rapping yeah. with my other homeboy. And then his yeah. him and his crew would win the fucking talent show because they're like yes. singing and ripping their shirts off and like... <laughs> doing all this extra shit. And you were hella yep. petty and jealous? Nah, not necessarily because oh, okay. he won and we was cool. I was I was mad and hating when, when the reggaeton niggas was winning. Like, that shit was good because like reggaeton wasn't like the shit. Like now, it, like a bad bunny gets on a stage, people are going to go crazy. Back then, it was like, get the fuck out of here with this. Oh, it was, you know, I was petty then, but when they won, it was always a celebration. It was cool. And yeah. they won most of the time. Let's get it like, you So know. like when you say an R&B group, are you talking like boys to well, men? Well, yeah. you know what? So yeah. you want to know the irony though the irony is that we would sing and practice for hours and i was very much like the i don't know i was very very much just like insistent that we practiced all the time yeah like i was i was very you like, was a ducky. like if you've ever seen the movie yeah, yeah, five yeah, heartbeats yeah, for yeah, anybody yeah. listening for if you ever seen the movie five heartbeats ducky was the one who was writing the songs composing yeah, the rhythm for sure he wasn't sure. the he wasn't the most uh Nah, <laughs> a little bit of that too. A little bit of that. He was Robert Townsend's character in Five Hearts. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you were more like the mastermind behind it. Like yes. you were like constructing these young kids to like focus, right? So. Yeah. So here's the here's the irony. The irony is that we would sing everywhere, practice everywhere for hours and hours and hours, and because we knew at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen what we wanted with our lives. So yeah. at least at least I did. So what the irony though is that we would go and sing at any talent show, whether it was at someone else, someone else's high school, whether it was at our high school, whether it was at a community <laughs> center. We we wanted to smoke. We wanted to smoke, so we'd be willing to go any length 
to prove how good we are and take advantage of opportunities. Right. So when we, we would go to like one of those talent shows that he's talking about is, is Alonzia Dominicana. So it's uh-huh. dead in the middle oh of Washington Heights. Yeah. And we go up and not only do we, while everybody else is singing in Spanish, dancing in Spanish, rapping, all singing, all this, this is all this talent. We go up and we sing an acapella version of Boys to Men's rendition of the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. And we win a Dominican talent show singing the American <laughs> national anthem acapella. <laughs> Yo. That's the irony. The irony. Were you guys to like all girl high schools too? You're like, fuck it, we're gonna fucking smoke there everyone. Was, there, was, there was going wherever, wherever the talent show was. That's yes, <laughs> and we was like again the irony, the irony that we're singing. Oh say, can you see? We're singing the Star Spangled Banner with Boyz Men's like um, acapella like arrangement, and we won. And it's it's an American anthem in a Spanish, predominantly Spanish audience. Yeah, people dancing and all that, and it was like. To me, that I mean that I mean <laughs> aside from like a, sli- a a subtle slight flex, it's also like the power of music. Like it transcends language and culture. Yeah, no, totally. So you, you go, you start as an R and B singer, you you, and, and and you weren't even like even then like you weren't like as musically sound as you were now. Like that that's a, again. Mm speaking towards your transition like i remember we were in a performing arts high school and he didn't even know how to p- play piano yet in fact yeah. like, he was trying to teach himself how to play piano and people mm-hmm. would like sun him and push him off the the, the, the ah. piano they would throw like we had broken we had broken a broken ass piano they would take the keys and they would throw it at him yes. like get the fuck off this yep. you know what i'm saying so he had to like really and then you went to music camp and became like a born again christian all of a sudden on and they yeah. <laughs> like between like ninth and tenth grade um and then he came back but he came back smoking in terms of music like he came back like but i i say that to say that 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 kind of for me watching your growth as an artist objectively that was like one of those pivotal milestone moments that you just kind of got back and you got into a bag of moving forward this is what i'm gonna do and then it was always about being a producer mm-hmm. creating mu- music compositions and then you you had the beat bangers era of your life where you were a producer and and you were you know you were working with like predominantly hip-hop and r&b acts you know what i'm saying like, sure. yeah. I, I, i'll let you tell it because i could sing it all day but like so in in terms of your your transition into being a producer who are some of the people you've worked with who are some of the ex- experiences that stick out for you um as a producer sure so i remember so out of high school i really really wanted to make it as like my singing group i looked up to like 112 and drew hill and i thought that was going to be our trajectory i would love joe to see I saw myself as like the Devante swing of the group who writes and produces and it just didn't pan out the way I wanted to. Um, however, I won a, I won a songwriting competition sponsored by BMG um, and it got me a scholarship to go to college. So I went to college, met some folks, realized I, I knew a lot more than one of my, my piano teacher told me, I really can't teach you anything, kid. You, you got it. And at that point I realized college wasn't my path because I was looking to go as a backup plan. Um, I was, was going to go for like engineering, music, audio engineering, and that would be my backup plan to being a producer because I thought there was, that would be a stable career. I met, I, I met a, an A&R who worked at Def Jam, and I guess the rest is history. He heard the demo tapes I had been making. I had been going to Sam Ash, the Tar Center, and basically anywhere that had music equipment, I'd like use the, learn how to use the equipment at the store, 
sneak and play for hours and then put like a floppy disk in. I put a floppy disk or tape in, record the ideas on the keyboard, and then I build my demo tape up. This this A&R heard my demo tape, gave wait, wait, me a chance. I have, to, I have to stop you really quick. So you would just go to Guitar Center, use yeah. their equipment. Post up, post up, post and- up. <laughs> Like a Costco person yes, trying yes. to have dinner off the samples? Exactly. Yes. That's yes. fucking yes. legendary. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Okay, continue. My so, I, yeah, go to Guitar Center, go to Sam Ash, bring a floppy disk, put it into like a Triton or Trinity keyboard, program some beats, save it on the floppy disk, and as soon as I was able to get to like an actual studio or somewhere I can actually load it up, I would load that up and actually save it or whatever the case. And sometimes I bring an, an audio recorder or something and record the things I've been working on in the store. I just, cause I didn't have all the equipment. I didn't have equipment like that. So I had to make the most of whatever was in front of me. Did they get mad at you? Were they cool no, with you just no, 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 cause, no, because I think I would go every single day, like religiously until the store closed. I was a person that homeroom was 30 minutes. I spent all of homeroom playing the piano. In between classes, like I go to the bathroom, and maybe for 10, 15 minutes going to the bathroom break, I'd be in the auditorium playing the piano. Lunch break, hour, I'm playing the piano. After school, I'm th- an hour or two in the auditorium until they kick me out. After that, I'd go to the, the store until like 8 o'clock. They kick me out. I just, every day, hours and hours, I put my 10,000 hours in. Right, right. But so, is it piano and singing, or do you play other instruments too? Well, it started back then. I was singing first, but I realized that from going to label auditions and going to these talent shows, I need to develop other skills because I felt insecure mm. about my voice. So that's when I taught myself the piano. And then during that same period of time in high school, and I'm teaching myself, because I auditioned for high school as a singer. Um, I taught myself the piano within my first year. By my third year, I'm teaching myself how to make beats um, on the keyboards there. Um, later like on, other instruments came. Genius, like, though? like you learned how to play piano in a year by yourself? I mean, here's okay. Make me I think, feel like a fucking I, asshole for like ten years of piano lessons. I think, on one level, you could look at it like you could look at it one of two ways. I think. I I think for me, I I look at it like I work really hard and obsessively, and I'm like very very determined, and I like. I think I just, I just have this really strong drive and sense of, I want to do this for myself. And I want to make, once I decide what I want, I have strong manifestation powers. And I don't look at it much of like, I'm just like this prodigy who I just had it. And I just didn't know how I did it. Oops, I could play all this stuff. It's like, no, I work for hours and hours and hours. And maybe there's an ability of, maybe I have, there is a level of, intuition and there's a level of like maybe i can decode things a little bit better than other folks can like i can deconstruct ideas but i will re- i work really hard it's not like i just stumbled right it's like it's it's you're you're, you're the hard work but you're also yeah. developing the talent right like they always say like hard work i can see talent, that like, i can see that i can hard. see the vision like i know i can i can see it and i think that's like a genius thing like it's I, what I, it's what i can see and my determination and willingness to figure it out is like the genius it's not like i'm just like this musical prodigy it's it's more about i'm determined to figure it out and i'm going to figure it out and i figure out how to do it and i work really hard and i see the vision that's like the genius thing and out of high school you 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 continued that that manifestation power that you were talking about right like you know you you were in a production duo 
you're making your rounds in New York City as a producer. You've worked with Raekwon. You've worked with Trey Songs. You've worked with a bunch of other, like, who, who am I leading? Yeah, I, I remember, <laughs> I just remember being really young and, like, saying I looked at people like Dark Child and Pharrell and people like Brian Michael Cox and said, that's my trajectory. That's what I want for myself. And it went from being someone who went to music high school and taught himself these things to go into winning a songwriting competition, going to college, dropping out, meeting an A&R. Next thing you know, a year into working with this A&R, I was 19. I'm already now working with people like Nivea, who was just signed to Jive at the time. I was working with people like, I was looking at, I was working with people like Raekwon from Wu-Tang. I was working with people like Trey Songz. I was working with people like RL from Next and Little Mo. And I was working with like Swiss Beats and like, Chucky Thompson, who was one of Bad Boy, um, one of Diddy's hitmen on Bad Boy. I was working with like just Drew Hill and just Kenny Lattimore, and I had a song on the. I, I remember I was twenty when I had my first song on the radio. Um, the Kenny Lattimore, worked, right? Kenny Lattimore. Yeah. His, his first single it was called. It was a song called Weekend, and I played keys on that. And that was just a year and a half, two years out of high school. I had a song on the radio, so that to me was like I was just so determined. And somehow, some way, I found a way, man. And God's been really good. And then you made the transition into being an artist. As you get older, and like now we're in our, you know, older years, you you made the the determination of I now want to be an artist. I, I want to be away. I, I want to kind of transition out of the behind the scenes aspect of it. Well, it wasn't just. It wasn't. I, I think one of the things that's that's I think misunderstood about that path was I wanted to be on track to be this certain super producer and i think the more and the more i got involved in the music business i realized how much i don't like the music business and i i had my you know the, i, the I had my breaking reality that, that yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you get you get like this j cole forest hills drive moment where it's like i am in the circles that i wanted to be in i've worked with a lot of my heroes and i've made tens of thousands of dollars doing this and it's like people are like admiring me and I'm like the go-to person for this moment in New York. And I, you realize that you're a lot of that does still doesn't bring you happiness. You realize a lot of it is fake. Mm. You realize that it's still not paying is, your bills. <laughs> it's, it's still not, it's still not paying your bills. And it's still, there's an element of like, is this what was all for? Like this, like there's like, if you think about, the flightiness and the fickleness and you think about the fakeness and you think about like the how political and like how much what's the word uh when you hire like when you hire like your family what do you call that nepotism nepotism Nepotism. like and how and how like much bureaucracy and politics is involved when you really see what that what what it actually is it it can really it can mess up your mind when you've been an idealist Mm -hmm. the entire time and it was at that moment where i said you know what what am I, I've, been, I've given over 10 years of my life to this, to this fake thing. And I had like a crisis, a, a crisis of conscience where I had to really look at like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And like, this thing doesn't love you back. And I, I had to really rediscover what my why was. And mm-hmm. it was in that moment where I decided, you know what? I'm going to get realigned with my faith, realigned with my, my purpose and like my intention. And that's when I decided to reinvent myself, change my name from Steph Nasty to Steph Reed, decide to like make purpose driven music to become the artist myself. And I realized that um, I would work on music, 
and produce people still and write for people still, but under my own terms. And then my focus would be, I had discovered being a teaching artist in, in like when I was 25. So like, while I'm doing that, I'm like, this actually feels purpose-driven. This is rewarding. Even if these kids don't become famous, it's rewarding. And I get paid to do it. I'm not chasing people for a check. I, it just, it made more sense. I was like, I'd rather make a career out of being a teaching artist and, a, and an arts educator and make the music that I believe in, like for my own heart, like, like this indie passion project mindset than to chase fame and to chase success in the industry. And I've ironically reached, I've had so much more success and so much more just these epic moments, just realigning with my purpose and with my why. You've had, a, you've, you've had your face on a billboard in Times Square. Sure did. Like a black sure woman did. at the high school. Like I saw it like, well, sure how long did. ago? Was it two years ago when you had that? It was like a couple f- years back. Yeah, a couple years back. What campaign was that? It was with a company called Bevel. Okay. Not Bevel, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Scotch Porter. Scotch Porter is still Scotch Porter. They're, they're a men's grooming line. And they also, after that, became like a sponsor of mine where they would give me product and um, for my events and things like that. So I've been able to b- build deeper, more meaningful relationships since I've let go of the industry. But what was the purpose of the billboard? Was it, are you modeling their products or? Yeah, so basically it was like a launch. It was, the brand is called Scotch Porter and they had a launch of their brand and a launch, like basically they were celebrating different men of color that represent their brand and their product. And they wanted to just make the announcement that we're here. Mm. And they bought out this this billboard and this ad campaign in, in, in Times Square. And I was one of the people that they chose to be the face of the brand. That's fucking dope. But I have yeah. other questions. I'm sorry, you were saying all sure. of this beautiful stuff and I kind of want to go back to like the shitty music industry stuff because I can't ah, help sure. it, I'm kind of interested in it. Mm-hmm. All right, so when you say like you produced and you wrote like, so did you sing on anything or did you write for like R&B-ish singers and then you added instrumentation and produced? But like, were you ever like the one singing the hook or anything like that? No, actually during that, you know what's funny is I came into the industry at 18, 19, fresh out of high school and being someone who wrote songs and played instruments and like made beats and sang and did the whole thing. And I think I allowed myself to get psyched out. I remember I played another fellow writer. I won't say their name. I played them one of my demos and I sang it for them. Here's the beat. Here's the hook. Here's the verse. Here's the song. She's like, you're not going to sing that. Right. And I took it. I don't know if the wrong way, but I was like, Oh no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's just an idea. I was going to, I'm going to give this to a writer, you know, whatever played it off and then I felt really insecure about that comment and I stopped trying to push myself as an artist and also as a writer and so I kind of just fell into just making beats and working Mm -hmm. with different co-writers and co-writing with top line writers and giving them beats and beats and beats and beats it wasn't until much later close around it wasn't until 10 years in that I was like I want to sing and I have melody ideas too. And I have hook ideas and I have, I have a lot more than I allow myself to, sh- I, I, I allow myself to shrink myself. And I was like, I'm a lot more than this. And I'm gonna, I decided I'm tired of shrinking myself and I'm going to be my whole full self. 
So now you sing, you play keys, and like, are you like a one man band, or what's what's your vibe? Like, yeah, I mean, look, there's 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 songs that I do a hundred percent where I produce it. I play the bass, I play the guitar, I play the drums, oh. I play the keys. I'm I'm writing the top line and singing all the backgrounds. And there's other times where I co-write. You know what I'm saying? Where maybe I just do the hook and someone else does the verses, and and I do the beat. Or there's other times when I don't do the beat at all and I'm just co-writing with another writer and I come up with the melody, hook, and some other cadences and they do more of the lyrical stuff. It really, it really, I'm kind of, I try to be flexible. And then there's other times where someone else is producing and I'm more so the musician. I really try to be flexible to what each situation needs and understand that, you know, you don't know where your blessing is going to come from. And I have a lot of my records that are mostly me and then there's other stuff where it's like i think someone else could kill this verse better than i could mm -hmm. or i want a different feel than what i would do right. and having that presence of mind to delegate that responsibility or delegate that that role to somebody else and like being able to call that audible for yourself and like saying you know what? yeah i'm not as equipped as somebody else would be for this position in this song this absolutely and it's like i think that's the true role as a producer is to know when to delegate and who to delegate to yeah. and i think for me it's like still don't get it fucked up i can do a hundred percent song and play every single instrument and sing every single background and do it by myself like don't get it fucked up but i <laughs> don't, <laughs> like, don't get it fucked up like <laughs> Like, I don't need any of you. Like, I can do this all by myself. <laughs> You're saying all this beautiful stuff. I like, want to. No, no, no. It's like, I, I want to work with you. I don't have to work with you. I want to work with you. I don't need you. I want to work with you. I don't need to work with you. I can work with myself. So, and so I, I want to kind of just really quickly transition into not only are you a teaching artist and, and you're multi-instrumentalist and everything that you've, you've discussed about your journey, but you, a lot of what kind of motivates you and informs your creative process as well as your education philosophy is your social justice work, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of developing that. So speak to me more about like your social justice um, work, what you've been doing recently in the midst of COVID and in the midst of everything that's been going on in New York City, obviously. And just like, how, how are you, what are you currently, how is that informing or how has that historically informed your creative process? The social so, let me, so, so let me tell you a short story. My parents, Stephen Reed and Camille DeJourna, they met at a protest. My dad was a news reporter. He, my dad's a news reporter and a writer, journalist, and he was covering this protest. And my mom was one of the protesters. And that is how I became who I am. The mm -hmm. intersection of my mom being an activist and, and a protester on the front line and my dad being the one to be covering it, shedding light and amplifying the ones that are on the front line and writing about it. That is me. That's like, that's exactly who I am. You know what I'm saying? My mom is the chief diversity officer and deputy of legal education at the um, LSAC, Law School Administration Council. She's an activist, she's a feminist. My mom's cousin, Lonnie Guineer, is a civil rights theorist, professor at law at Harvard Law School, and was the first woman of color appointed to a tenure position at Harvard. And her father, my mom's uncle, Ewart Guineer, was the first chairman of Harvard University's African American Studies Department. Like, Who are you? and like, I come from I come from a lineage of like people that are fighting for humanity. So, and 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 just as a, as a comic relief to this, right? 
When yes. he would get in trouble in high school, his dad would come and everybody thought his dad was like the fucking president. Everybody thought like yeah. his dad was like Barack Obama because like he's because he's this really tall, bald headed man with a briefcase and a suit coming in to get his son out of trouble. Like we all thought like his dad was like a fucking millionaire. Fucking yeah, he's a news reporter. <laughs> but but everybody was like, yo 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 yo, Steph's dad is like fucking like would, the president. And I stuff would think shit. that maybe his mom would get him out of trouble. She's got like the links to the Harvard Illuminati. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah, it was, it was it was it was always funny. But yeah, no, I mean that that that's very so, telling. A lot a lot of that I I didn't even know, and I've known you for years. So I wanted to give context, and the thing is, I was kind of I was raised in a way where we didn't talk about a lot of stuff. Like my parent, my mom, when I was little, would give me Black History books, and you got to know who like Nelson Mandela is. You got to know who Sojourner Truth is. You got to know who Harriet Tubman is. You got to know who. Uh, um, Marcus Garvey is, you gotta know all of your black history. You gotta know it, you gotta know it. You gotta know that I'm a feminist and you don't say certain words around the house. You gotta know that we believe in LGBTQ rights. We gotta believe, like that was how the way that I was brought up in this world. So now and, in, in, in the midst of everything we've been seeing and what you and I have talked about offline for probably like a decade in terms of like mm-hmm. the fight for black lives and in terms of the fight for equality among people of color and equity and all of the things that we usually discuss in our just like everyday conversation. Like mm-hmm. what are you, what are you seeing on the ground for yourself? Like what are the initiatives? Talk to me about some of the initiatives you've done. Talk to me about some of the things you've seen over the last, you know, over the summer and, 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 and where do you see it going now uh, in, in, in right on the eve of the election, right? Like we're recording right. this literally a week before the election, which is probably arguably one of the biggest and most important elections in our lifetime. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how, how are you feeling about all this? What are you seeing? What's, what are your insights? I feel hopeful. I mean, it's, it's, it feels almost. It feels almost like counterintuitive to say that you feel hopeful in where it feels like we're living in a nation that's divided. But the truth is, I feel like in the wake of George Floyd's death and Breonna Taylor's death, that people hit the streets, people burned stuff up, people were very vocal, people shut stuff down, people did sit-ins, and people showed up in spite of their differences. So I feel really hopeful that, like, Regardless of which way the chips fall, that humanity will prevail, and that folks will find define they will find their commonalities. And where do you, and and how do you feel music in general, or your music particularly, fits into this whole equation? I feel like my music is a soundtrack to that. You know what I mean? Like everybody plays a role in revolution. Everybody's not going to be on the front line with the gun. You know what I'm saying? Some folks is the ones that's actually entertaining the folks and, and, and getting them to, to heal. Some folks is like the ones doing education. Some folks is the one that's like cooking the breakfast. Some folks is the one that's like just a voice of reason. And I think that when you look at a movie like Selma, look at that scene where Martin Luther King was like, he needed a, he needed prayer. He needed, he called Mahalia Jackson and said, sing me a song. I, I need healing and I need, I need, I need restoring my faith. And I feel like, there's these examples throughout history of like the intersection of arts and activism. And I feel like what I do is help bring folks together and I give, and I give people hope. And aside from my music, I think the initiatives I'm doing, I'm, I've been doing like the micro grants every month to two black women or, or women of color um, to amplify the work that they're doing um, and make their work sustainable, whether it's protest relief, bringing first aid and water and, 
sanitizer to help protesters make their and the people on the front line make their work sustainable, whether it's like the voter registration concerts to make people aware of voting and when they sh how they can get involved in the civic process and using art as a as a as a as a, a meeting place to make that happen. Um, we're teaching songwriting and social justice in schools. Like it's all really part of the same mission, which is the power of love and, and finding ways to help people feel empowered and help people feel reminded of their humanity and want to be part of the change. Right. Um, so that's, that's really for me is, 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 is more so the mission. And then I guess my last question, unless 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 Lil MC has more questions, but I guess my last question to you is: talk to us really quickly just about <clears throat> the the music, the independent artist scene in New York, um, and mm -hmm. your experience, right? Like, cause I I'm somewhat removed. I have my links to to the New right. York independent artist scene, you and other artists that we fuck with. Um, but I just want to know from your experience, because we, we exist in a completely different scene out here, and we have our own community that has a lot of intersections between education and activism and all of that. Speak to that experience out there in New York, in, in, a, in a place that, as, as, as multicultural as New York is, I've always found it to be, like, not necessarily a melting pot, but, like, more like a pot of oil, where everything is, where it's in the same pot, but nothing's touching each other. Right, ha, that's valid. That's really you know what I mean. Actually. So I want you yeah. to speak to like the artist community in the midst of this kind of semi-separated. Uh, sure. World. Yeah, I think there's lots of music communities. I, I think there's like the music community at large, which is almost like you could you could compare that to like Facebook, but then within within Facebook, there's like all these different groups, right? And I think. Some groups is a group of five, some groups is a group of 10, some groups is a group of 100. And I think not all of the groups, it's like if you look at like a Venn diagram, not all of the groups overlap in ways other than the fact that they just do music. But I think you could look at that in one way and say that's discouraging, like, oh man, how come everybody isn't on the same page? But you could also look at like, that's actually really hopeful because I think that it creates space for a, differenti a differentiation of what liberation could look like, what community and togetherness could look like. And um, I have hope, man. I feel, I, even though we may not agree on, I mean, if you look at, look at Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, like they agreed on a couple of different things, but overall they didn't on a lot of other things. And I think that's what it looks like. Even the folks that Martin, Martin Luther King was, you know, he was organizing with. They didn't agree on every single thing. There was things that they disagreed on how this should be done and what it should look like and who they should be in, in, in business with. Some people were st strongly against Martin Luther King being in talks and in conversations with the president. They thought that was not a good look. It, it's, it, they looked at it like he was a traitor. Mm -hmm. There's people that looked at Malcolm X like he was too flamboyant and too outspoken and there's some things he shouldn't have said and he should have kept some of that personal and to himself. So I think, you know, and, or, or there's people that when he got more of a global message of like, this is a human rights issue. There's some people who probably felt like he, like that was not a good look because it wasn't what they knew him, they came to knew him for. So I think bringing it back home, the music communities, some of them overlap and some of them don't, but I think overall there's a lot of hope because everybody for the most part seems to be trying to do things for the right reasons. And they're just, we just have different 
perspectives on, on what that even means. Mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel you. And then, um, so all that guitar and piano shit, is that getting you new dates? What, what are you, what's going on? <laughs> ah. No. No dates. No dates. Yeah, you, you serenading? Nah. I am date. I'm dateless. I've been single for a while now. No, no, I, and... I wanted to. So I wanted to. So because now we got to get into the ratchet shit before we let you go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We need. We need at least. So you had you had the arduous task of completing a Bay application. <laughs> I want to talk about this Bay application. We're not putting. We're not. We're not putting the person on blast. No, you, no, no. You follow a woman on Instagram, as most single men do follow women on Yo, Instagram, that they're very interested He's not down for this. Nah, Unbelievable. <laughs> so, so you follow someone on, 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 on the gram? Can't take you nowhere. <laughs> and right. so Get you, a lady's perspective. Okay. I'm kind of a lady. <laughs> so, I just, no, I just want to, I just... I, I wanted I want him to speak to this experience, right? Because this is not the first time I've seen a quote unquote bay application, which I completely take exception to. Yes. This was a really detailed application. Oh yeah. Like for you sure. sent it to me. God. And I, and for I don't, sure. this is not, you know Why do you take exception to it? I take exception to it because from what I saw, from what he shared with me, it's literally trying to fast track the first five dates of getting to know somebody. Yeah. Right? In an application. Well form. he's a busy yes. man. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe she's a busy woman, and that's why she has it done that way. But I was just my. It, oh wait, it, she gave the application. Yes. Oh, I thought <laughs> Steph was giving no, the application. No, <laughs> if, I mean he should. And but you know, if if men do some shit like that, we're kind of like full of ourselves and pompous. If women do like that, thirsty dudes is literally lining up to like she'll she'll have her inbox full. Yeah. For sure. You know what I'm saying? It's kind and of he, like one of those dating apps, though, that like the the high class dating app. You know, where you'd have to get like approved in order to use it. Yeah, but I was I was telling him like, yo, if I fill out this whole shit and you accept, we going together. Like, I don't need. There's no question process. Like, you fast tracking me. Like, we just go. But like, that doesn't say anything about sexual things. Like, what if like? Well, I don't. I mean, did it say anything about sexual? No, I think it was talking about trauma. It was it was very lengthy. I mean, well, so your experience, and I and, and I'm not gonna get into the details as to whether or not yeah, yeah, you submitted yeah. it or whether or not it was accepted. We'll just leave that to the guests sure. of anybody. But your experience of this, because I, I think it's a fascinating topic of bay applications, especially in the in the in right at the on the cusp of uh, cuff, cuffing season, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, what was your experience? Like, you were appalled. <laughs> I was so appalled. <laughs> so, quote Kanye West, Pusha T. I was so appalled. Oh shit! I mean, but you went after her in the DMs first, right? <laughs> The crazy thing is we're friends. Like, I know her. Oh. Like, we're, like, we're cool. I mean, we're not best friends, but, like, we're cool. We've hung out. We've, like, talked like via text. Like, I have her number. Like, we've hung out. Like, I know her. Damn. So you weren't, like, dirty macking with a random fucking broad you saw in the explore section. That's, that's kind of... No, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think sometimes... Okay. There's, like there's like the public persona of the person and then there's like the actual person and she's very attractive and i you know definitely a fan of her as a person but also the way she presents herself which she's a model you know what i mean and i was like you know what shoot your shot like go for it i mean you can't 
you can't expect to get you can't expect results if you don't try Mm -hmm. and i'm someone who like i think it's clear that i go for what i want and i'm like i i try to manifest it so i think i had the right intentions it just didn't quite pan out the way that i would have liked but i also learned something that i learned what i don't want and i learned that uh you know maybe in the future Ah, right. I mean, that's it's just a little much. Like, I don't know. That like in the future, I probably would not do that again. And I think, I don't know. Sometimes, you, sometimes you need to go through some things to learn what you don't want. It reminds me of like what the future might be, like a brave new world, dystopic type world where everyone <laughs> is being world. paired together, or like Gattaca or something. You something know? Like wow. That. And, and we we could be close. I mean, I don't COVID like that. Is, I don't know how dating is done in COVID. They're stripping so all weird. of this like wonderful. Yeah, energy like these moments that are like so human, like they're they're making it like let's see if we're compatible. They're removing, yeah, they're removing no, that's, learning the hard way from like the human. Yeah, no, equation. I mean that's the part. That's part of the charm of dating is like yeah. the getting to know each other and like the learning and discovery and like so. I mean, I I enjoy discovery and I like learning and getting to know people. And I would probably not fill that application again, but I did it and now I have this story. I kind of also feel like feel like that chick might be a little bit of a pussy, you know? Because like, <laughs> you're too afraid to like go and, and and have a bad dating experience that you have to like ensure, you know, they don't have a, too many traumas that you could trigger. Like, yeah, it's, it's, know. it's you know, it's just, it's it's women not wanting their time wasted or their emotions. Here's what I think. I think, wow. yeah. To be honest, even I found in my experience in the last couple months of talking to new women. Is like there's actually something powerful about learning incompatibility, and there's something powerful about like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and them being vulnerable and like learning like oh I don't I don't actually like just being able to talk things out like oh that's actually triggering for me why is that triggering for you oh because I've mm-hmm. been through this and this and it's like oh wow I didn't it's like you learn about yourself as you like have these interactions and you learn about them and how you just learn so much you learn a lot and. You're a Virgo, right? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So do you do you try and find out their sign first too? Because you really shouldn't be going for any air or fire signs. You need to stick Ooh. to earth and water. Just if you need to, you know, Ooh. expedite the dating process. Says who? Says me. I'm like astrology <laughs> expert 101. So you would be very well with a Taurus. Also a Scorpio. Ooh. Also a Pisces. He's, now he's now he's going through his Rolodex. You know what's he's, funny? He's going is, through every is, broad that he's fucked with. Like, is, yeah, yeah, no, is she yeah, a like, tourist? <laughs> so my ex, my my last partner was a Sagittarius. Mm. Um, my last partner before that was a Virgo. Yeah, two Virgos and, is like I don't know, I don't know about. And that. both my the, the the mothers of both my children, each of those those women are Virgos. Wow, weird. That's a. Are you are you semi in love with yourself? Like, do you find yourself a little bit? Ah, I think there's just a familiar, there's a familiarity. There's like mm. a, I think my rising is Sag and my moon is Leo. Your rising is Sag and your moon is Leo. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. What's your sign? I'm a Pisces. Pisces. What's your rising? Taurus. Moon. Huh. Gemini. What's your Jupiter. What? Um, or your and your Mercury. What's your Mercury? No, what's your wait? Jupiter is 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 Mercury communication or Jupiter? 
Uh, Mercury is communication, I believe. What's your Mercury? Is uh, Aquarius. I think that's what it is. Fuck, I'm going to be really upset if I got that wrong. But I'm definitely Aquarius for Mercury. Or, yeah. And then my and Venus your... is Pisces also. I'm a psycho uh, person. I'm a double okay. Gemini, double Pisces with a rising Taurus. And, and what's your Mars? Fuck, I don't know. I got to look Jesus that up. Christ. Damn, I, I, you really know your shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Because you, you can, can kind of tell, tell how people conduct themselves in circumstances and situations based on where their planet may be. Mm. Like my Venus, not my Venus, my my Mars is um, Pisces. And Mars is kind of how you deal with anger and conflict and how you deal with like drama. And I'm like, Cancer is like a soft sign. It's a, Wait, you know, said Pisces sensitive. or you said Cancer? Cancer, Cancer. I'm oh, yeah. Cancer, Cancer, cancer Mars. All um, the water signs are muddy. Yeah, and my um, Venus is Virgo. Crazy. So it's practical. There's practicality. You guys have our own. Let's, can we, at some point, let's just start an astrology podcast. Exactly. That's what we really want to do. Uranus is rising. All right. <laughs> Yo, what, dude, dude, what's your, what's your rising and what's your, what's your sun? I'm a, I'm a double Scorpio. I just know, know that, like, my, Scorpio and my moon is Scorpio have, or some shit like chart. that. She does my, yo, she does my chart, like, every other day, just to no, make sure. I do that is I do Every other day, just to make sure, like, shit is on the up and up. Like, it's the most I, insulting oh, thing oh. ever, but whatever. So what's your, but what's your, like, I'm trying to, like, understand. I don't understand. know any, I don't, I don't think about all this Dude, shit. you gotta do it. You we gotta were talking do about it. it in the last podcast. I seen, I'll send it to you after I, I seen a, I saw a meme that said, if you a dude that knows your rising and, and, and sign and all of that, you've been ran through. And I felt the way. So I, uh, <laughs> so I claimed that's ignorance hilarious. on that. <laughs> like I'm trying, no, because I want to understand aspects of your personality from a perspective of like astrology. Yeah. I'll, I'll send like, it to you. I'll, I'll give you like my dad is a Scorpio, and I see both of y'all are really grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's a Scorpio too. Yeah. Like no, no, no. Like you're grumpy, but you're like you're like with a heart of gold. Like you'll do. Like you'll give you the shirt off your back to people you love, but you are also really grumpy. Really? Like there's also like this curm- yeah. There's like a curmudgeonie. There's like a curmudgeonie. There's a like, total curmudgeonie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a they're, vibe. They're very like bougie, you know. Virgos are kind of bougie too, though. Are you it's a, a different bougie? bougie? It's a different. It's a, bougie a different bougie. bougie. Yeah. It's a different bougie. Like Wait, how in... is it different? No. Explain me the, the the difference in the bouginess. Because I feel like a Scorpio bougie is like Scorpio bougie is more like I'm what I don't do. Like come on, look at me. Like I'm not. Yeah. That's that beneath. Really this is beneath. Like this is beneath me. Yes. Virgo yes. bougie is more like kicky. Okay, I'll tell you the definition. A Virgo may come off to people as being, like, kind of harsh or insensitive, but it's really because if they care about you, they hold you to a higher standard. So if you're yeah. doing something that's beneath you, they will, like, be quick to tell you, and they won't yeah. sugarcoat it. They'll be you're like, better than that, you're though. really going to wear that? that? Like, yeah. no. You know? And where a Scorpio is more bougie in the sense of, like, don't disrespect me in this way or, like, think that I'm about that when I'm not. I think in yes. Virgo was with a low with a low key with a low key element of, with a low key element of like do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you don't like when people don't know who you are. <laughs> no, I, yes. I don't like when people got me fucked up and yeah. they think I'm something that I'm not. Like, <laughs> that, listen here, buddy. <laughs> like exactly. Like, listen here, buddy. Like, uh, 
we were joking how the the white man's version of "You got me fucked up" is "Listen here, buddy." That, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, man. So before we get out of here, just shout out your social media, what you got working on, anything that you want to like leave with the people. Yo, um, I am Steph Reed, and thank you for tuning in to us talk about all the things. Uh, you can find me on social media at I am Steph Reed. That's I A M. S-T-E-F-F-R-E-E-D. Again, that's I-A-M-S-T-E-F-F-R-E-E-D. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, everything. Um, hit me up on my on my website, IamStephReed.com. And please, if you're able to and want to help support the, the mission, send a donation. It's, it's um, tax deductible to PowerOfLoveProject.org. PowerOfLoveProject.org. Send money. It's tax deductible. You make a difference. Everybody wins. Okay, wait. Also, I found out my Mars is Gemini. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my wow. Mercury is Aquarius. I have no idea what any of those uh, Steph, yo, I appreciate you. Love you, brother. Um, love you too, I'll bro. I'll talk to you soon. Nice and meeting you, I'll see you Steph. soon. You'll be out here. So we, we, we rocking. Um, see you two weeks. Yeah. Peace, bro. Yeah. Peace. Steph Reed. Now, Adrian, do a, help us do a sign off. Like, right. You're listening to Ratchet and Woke. Ra- yeah, give us a drop. To Ratchet and Woke podcast. You're listening to Ratchet and Woke podcast. There you go. That's good. I love it. I love it. That's gonna be the new bumper. Oh yeah. yeah. We're gonna make that and we'll get Poe to do it when he gets exactly. here. Exactly. Oh my god, I love it. All right, Ratchet and Woke podcast. Y'all know the vibes, man. Catch us every Friday. You can email us questions, comments, topics. All the good stuff, Ratchet and Woke Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook and like us on or follow us on Instagram, Ratchet and Woke Podcast. Tell a friend to bring a friend. We're here every Friday. Peace and love. We out.